you the latest thinking and developments from the international B2B marketing space, this is BBN Mixtape. And mixing it up for us today is Ed Davis. Welcome to BBN Mixtape. This is Ed Davis. And today I have the very great pleasure of welcoming Dr. Pauline Cerise to the program. And I've known Pauline for a really long time. Um, we're not, we're, we, we've discussed that we're not going to date ourselves too much, um, but, but we can get into single digits in the 2000s of when I first met Pauline and she worked with an organization that I was a part of. Pauline's background is she's got a master's in industrial organizational psychology, a PhD in psychology, and she specializes in something called experiential authentic leadership development. She's the president and CEO of Dr. Pauline Cerise and Associates, which is here in Houston, Texas. And for more than 30 years, she's been responsible for the creation and execution of highly successful and unique, uh, the highly successful and unique experiential authentic leadership development. And she's going to talk about that as a technology, which is really, really interesting. The other thing that she is uh, very good at and and consult on, and this is part of the reason why she's on this program because BBN is very interested in brand and culture. Is she is a culture change management consultant as well, and so she's highly sought after, and and we're very lucky to have her on the program. So Pauline, welcome to BBN Mixtape. Thank you, Ed. That was very kind. Thank you very much. I'm so excited well, to be here. Well, we're excited to have you, and <clears throat> I think we should just sort of get into it because you are, you're going to be a little bit of an outlier, um, which I, I probably would guess is is sort of a little bit of your life story, but you're an outlier in terms of this program because typically what we have are executives within marketing, executives within branding, executives within communications. Uh, very rarely do we have somebody of your stature or from your field of work, but I think it's really, really important. And interestingly, I think it plays into all of the things that we talk about from uh, a brand standpoint and a communication standpoint as BBN. So Maybe we start back just from the beginning. How did you get into, or how did you decide you wanted to, to sort of pursue um, what I believe is your life's work and you're, you're very, very good at? Wow, thanks. Um, number one, I really appreciate the fact that you are willing, and it doesn't surprise me with you, to pick an outlier uh, to be on your program. <laughs> Um, it's just been a calling all my life. I think, um, as we talk about the, my technology and, and what I've discovered about authenticity, it's, it's a pull to, uh, being, um, that it's, it's, you don't do it for money. You don't do it for fame. You do it because you can't not do it. You can't not be it. So there's always been a pull for me to, uh, inquire into what is it, wh what is it to be authentic? What is it to be myself? And I think it came from originally just as a child and growing up and feeling like I didn't belong. I didn't fit in. There was something, um, 
I didn't, I, I didn't feel a uh, resonance with uh, necessarily the way everybody did things. And uh, it's, I think it's very interesting in the society. We celebrate that once you get successful or uh, famous, you know, wow, how authentic someone is, but the journey there <laughs> is often not uh, articulated and I found this out through the last 30 to 40 years of just being so passionate in this inquiry of, of what is it to be yourself and authentic? And it seems axiomatic. It seems like, you know, most people, um, I don't want to say, um, they, they dumb it down or they diminish it to something very, um, uh, what would be the word? Very, um, can't think of the word, just mm -hmm. simplistic, I guess is the best word. Um, just be true to yourself or be real. Uh, but in fact, the, the journey to authenticity is very complex from what I've found. And so it started um, just very early and then going through being in college and hired by companies and having this kind of idealized belief in what could be possible in living mm -hmm. your life. And it was very jarring as a young 20 something getting out in the world and, and feeling like I was in cultures and around older people that were, they would hire me because I was so passionate and committed to excellence and, and those sorts of things. And then it's like, after you got hired, they tried to beat it mm. out of you. Um, because you, sh you should, um, you know, kind of toe the line and, and be the way everybody else is and figure out what you need to do to, to get ahead, but not necessarily be, uh, authentically you. And when I say that, I say that cautiously because, not to diminish people, but most people have no idea what true authenticity actually is. And, and it took me 30 to 40 years to discover it myself. So I don't, I don't mean that to diminish anyone. It's just such a complex, uh, phenomenon. Well, and I remember when, so in, in full transparency, Pauline ran a workshop, uh, when I was the director of media and public relations, uh, at a nonprofit here in Houston. And I, and I distinctly remember, <clears throat> and, and, and maybe I'm going to glamorize it a little bit because it's been a few years, but I, but I seem to remember that when you started that workshop, you, you talked about people interpret, oh, be your authentic self or, or, you know, that sort of line as, oh, well, that means I can say what I want to say and do what I want to do. And damn be the consequences. But that that's not really what it is that you're saying, right? No, not at all. And, and that's a very good uh, interpretation of what typically does happen. Um, again, th this phenomenon is so complex and people just, uh, as they do, I think, with leadership in general, you know, leadership is, they have their own personal ideas of what it is without really, uh, investigating and, and being, um, truly, I think, um, captivated by what could it be to truly be a leader? I think we so quickly go into trying to homogenize things and, and think we already know things. And 
again, from uh, the research, what, what really was stunning to me is that 95% of the time people are actually doing things auto, mm-hmm. automatically, like from automaticity of thought. And, and that's just how the brain works. And they think they're thinking, but actually they're not. It's, they're trapped in, um, schemas that are embedded in memory. And so if you think about that, 95% of the time people are doing or being, uh, automatically, like the automaticity of it. And so that means 48 minutes a day at best, people are actually present and proactively consciously thinking. Mm. Now, most people are offended by the fact that I say that, but it's actually (laughs) in the research, it is true. And if you really think about your day and, and, and how much we, we just engage in automaticity of things, um, and just doing what we, you know, you don't think about it. And, and it's a, it's a great attribute to have as a homo sapien. You don't have to really think about stuff that you've gotten really good at, um, but it's dangerous also because it really it really conflicts with the ability to be present and be authentic, like proactively choosing in the moment who you're going to be. And that circles back to the example that you gave. Um, most people through the thousands of people that I've worked with over the years um, think they're being authentic when when they're actually being defensive and run by, um, I'm going to get technical here from a scientific perspective, but run by uh, unresolved psychosocial crises from uh, childhood. And so one of the major components of my technology, and and I got this from just observing over years and years before I went back and, and did my dissertation research, that, man, you know, these these adults are acting like children. (laughs) (laughs) What is going on? And not that I'm, you know, not part of that group too, over the, over the years, distinguishing my own, um, you know, unresolved conflicts and, and when I would, uh, think I was being authentic, but then it would just be inconsistent with who I perceive myself to be like, uh, you know, some emotional defensive reactions and, and then I would reflect on it and think, uh, okay, so that's not who I'm committed to being. So there's this very complex interplay in between, you know, who, who am I, who, who I, the idea of myself in my head and who I'm committed to being and who I'm actually hmm. being in the world. And, and a lot of my technology is focused on that initially is, is learning how to be truly self-reflective and not just in a quiet moment, but in, I, I say, a meditative state throughout the day, do I actually have um, a proactive sense of who am I being and what am I saying? And, and again, the research says, nope, you don't. 95% of the time, you're usually just in automatic mode and you're not present and you're not proactively um from your will causing either behavior or thinking. Um. So regular listeners of this podcast are going to be sitting here and going, holy crap, is this the right podcast that I've listened to or, or that, I, <laughs> that I've typically subscribed to? And it is because we're going to get to the point, we're going to bring this around to 
brand and culture and values and things along those lines. But I think it's important for for the listeners of this podcast to really understand the 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 level of understand the level of understand I'm using understanding like 15 times in, in two sentences, but the level of understanding that that Pauline brings to this topic and, and why it's important is, and she just sort of alluded to it right there. And this is how we're going to we're going to come back to some other things that that Dr. Cerise is all about. But I want to I want to sort of take a moment right there because you just said something around uh, who I am who I want to be and, and sort of who I portray myself to be. Um, and, 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 and I draw a correlation between what you do in that line of thinking with companies that we might work with when we're working on values and culture, because I've, I've, I've always looked at um, whenever I've gotten to be a part of a rebranding or a repositioning exercise, we always look at culture. We always look at values. And there's always this moment where, you're sitting in a workshop or you're going over what the new values or culture is going to be. And you say to yourself as a, as a brand strategist or a communicator or something along those lines, yeah, these are really aspirational and that's not who you, you, you folks are. Now it is who they are in the sense that we've captured that information and we've held a mirror up to the organization and, and we've sort of parroted back what they aspire to be. But there is this really interesting uh, dichotomy when, when, you're, when you are developing a brand of who that company is, who they want to be, and then who they portray. And I think the brands that are really, really good, can there's no gaps in between those three sort of thought processes or, or there, there's no gap in between those those points of view. I, I, and this is why I wanted you to come on because I think there is very distinct correlations between what you do and working individually with people, whether it be in the corporate side, or you could translate this into the agency side and how they work with people. And, and we've got a lot of young people, mid-level managers who listen to this podcast and how that actually relates to brand work and culture work. And given that you do a lot of work from a culture standpoint, and you've seen a lot of cultures. Am, am, I, am I right to, to draw that correlation between what you talk about as an individual authentic leader that can translate into culture and have an impact into culture and, and who a company or an organization wants to be? Absolutely. And in pointing to what I just spoke about, about 95% of the time we are in automaticity mode and unconscious. We're not proactively um, thinking or creating. And in, even in just what you, what you just said, just using the word, words culture and values, you probably think people are actually listening to that. Mm. But what they're doing is they're listening to what they're saying about what that means as if they already know it. And it's one of the reasons why um, culture change interventions often don't work. Um, when you do leadership development, people come in with a way that they're already listening and you, it, it, they literally can't hear anything newly because they don't realize that this 95% of the time 
they are coming from narratives from memory. Like it's a past based, um, reflexive, uh, just your neurobiology is hijacking your ability, uh, because you don't, you don't even know what you don't know about it. You don't know it's At doing the individual it. So you level, have which to then influences like the organizational level. Yeah. Well, yeah, the organization right. is individuals. I mean, that's another misnomer. People like talk concept, talk about organizations. Well, organizations are the people. So if, so if the people in the organizations aren't proactively challenging every single person, whether it's, you know, the person who answers the phone or, you know, the senior executives in a culture change or branding, you know, exercise, it has to be, there's a continuity of integrity that has to flow throughout because, you know, if that, if, if it doesn't go down to the person answering the phone, uh, or the salesperson who's out there and, and um, the resonant uh, frequency of whatever you're creating in your, um, your branding um, uh, exercise doesn't translate into the genuineness of what the people in the organization are doing, then it's all just a bunch mm. of talk. And that's where it lands 90, I mean, I'm sorry, but <laughs> 90 something, 99, 95% of the time, a large percentage of the time, it's, um, it's concept talk. It's, it's, it doesn't translate out of the room. And, and that's what I do. That's the technology that I've developed is how do you translate it out of the room and to the customer and to the client and there's a very clear, resonant frequency. And I, I studied uh, authenticity as it relates to um, the quantum field. I'm not a you know quantum theorist, but I wanted to understand you know atoms and energy and how. And, and you feel it when you when you talk with another person and you resonate, and there's just something real and genuine between you, and it cuts yep. through the, the typical, um, you know, uh, marketing speak or sales speak or, you know, whatever that they are just so sick of. And, but it's, it starts with each and every person being committed to their own development. And I can't stress that enough. When I go into organizations, it's so easy for people to hide behind the typical PowerPoint presentation and the concept talk. And then, but what everybody's thinking is we already know this, right. we've already seen it. It's another repackage, blah, blah, blah. And one of the reasons why I've been successful is because I don't go in and do that. You do not. I can attest to this. No, <laughs> <laughs> you've seen I me. I don't go I in have. and do that. And it can ruffle people's feathers because that's what authenticity is. Authenticity, if if you're really being it, is is a creative endeavor because you don't necessarily exactly know what's going to happen because you're present. Yeah. So there, there, there there's going to be a handful of brand strategists listening to this podcast. I can think of one who sits in the northeast of Scotland. And, and he's going to be smiling ear to ear when he's driving in his car, listening to this podcast, because these are a lot of the things that he talks about. And so, so, um, 
Not, not that we have an audience of one, of course, but so then you, you talked about, you have to figure out, you have to talk to people and, and, and get them to take it out of the room. You have to get them to commit to, to their own personal development. Um, so how do you, how do you do that? I think we look at it. I think a lot of times a brand agency or communications marketing agency who might be tasked with uh, a rebrand or repositioning or something along those lines, they come in and they say, well, my job is to do this, is to build the platform, is to tell you what it looks like, tell you what it sounds like, show you what it, um, how it functions. I then need to turn it over to HR to embed it or the brand, the, the brand team, the, the, the brand ambassador team to embed it. I would imagine that that from your standpoint, agencies, brand consultants, culture change consultants, they're actually missing a trick. And I don't mean trick as as in, you know, trying to pull one over. I mean, they're missing a step in the process in terms of actually making connection and, and starting with the singular individual and taking it more broader. Yeah, I've um, when I go in, there's a, there's usually a core group of uh, executives that I'm working with, and and the people who report to them. It's important to not just have the higher the higher ups in the group, but we work it out through the organization as we. Uh, I, I work both sides, you know, from from down to up, from up to down at the same time, and. Um, letting them know that that's, that's extremely important because what, what I find is the, um, what I call a background of reality, like the, the, the conversations people have in their head is okay. You know, the executives are going to meet Mm -hmm. in a room and do X, Y, Z, and then trying to get us to do stuff. And I think you even used that in your, in the way you spoke about how do you get people to stuff? And so you don't get people to do anything. You have to find out what is important to them and then distinguish what's important to you as a leader and then see if those two things are resonant. See if those two things match. Yeah. Exactly. And if they, and be honest if they don't. And, And one of the things I do when I do go in is just have massive conversations with as many people that as I can about what, what they're there for. Why are they there? Why do they do what they do versus what do they do? And when you get the why right and, and you find commonality in the whys where typically the executives are pointing fingers at the workers, they're just not motivated or uh, you know, the problems out there. And then the the employees are pointing the other way, the problems with the executives, they don't know how to X, Y, Z. And, but it's never, I've spoken with thousands of people. It's never the person sitting in the chair across from me. Or the <laughs> one sitting, it's, or, or uh, the they can one, always, you know, staring at myself in the mirror when I'm getting ready for work. Yep. Yes. It's, it's very difficult. Uh, and that's just, again, um, uh, as I said a little bit earlier, one of the components of my technology is distinguishing the psychosocial crises that did not get 
resolved as a child. Now I don't do therapy with people, although people have told me it felt like therapy, (laughs) but I'm very practical and pragmatic, which is why I love working with businesses. Because if you can get this, if you can start to be passionate about this, and I, and I do think that this study of psychology and, and your prescient, you know, understanding of how this is so important to your industry is so dead bang on because marketing is psychology and practice. That's what it is. If you don't understand the things that I'm, that I'm teaching and that I'm talking about, all you're interested is in some surface level parroting of what anyone else has already done before. And you're only going to be mediocre. (laughs) It's interesting. No, it's, it's, it's really, it's really interesting because I think on the agency side, and and I don't know how many agencies would 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 admit this. Um, I've just sort of found myself in a position where, and and you'll you'll probably scold me a little bit. Ed, that's not authentic in in terms of how how I define it. But I've sort of found myself in. Well, I've been doing this for twenty plus years. I've got a point of view. I don't really give a crap if you don't agree with it. I know what it is that I've seen. I know what I've, what I've experienced. I know what I've seen be successful. And so I say all of that to say this industry and working with clients, you know, we constantly get tasked with, oh, we want to stand out. We want to do this. We want to be, we want to be unique. And so then when you, when you bring uh, a level of creativity to it, um, or when you bring a level of originality to it, um, it scares people, right? Because it's, 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 it's different and it doesn't quite fit into the, the, the automation that you talked about at the very beginning in terms of their worldview or how they see their business operating. And it, and it creates this dissonance. It creates this conflict and they don't know what to do with it in terms of how do you really handle a really great creative agency or really fantastic marketing agency because they will come in and they will make you as a a client somewhat uncomfortable. And I actually think that that's a really good thing. And I think it's, it's sort of the same thing for what you do. I think if you are making the people in the organization or in the room or w- whatever that construct is uncomfortable, you're actually doing your job because I think that prompts people to get out of their head, get out of the automated thinking I think, um, unless you tell me differently. So, so I see it as a really good thing to, to challenge those behaviors, to challenge those beliefs, to challenge that, that way of thinking. Well, absolutely. It has to be done. It has to, and what people don't understand, and actually this was, um, surprising to me as well, um, in my dissertation research and, and, and in my classes, the, do you know the definition? I'm oh, going to put you on the spot here. Do you know the definition of learning? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Most people do not. It is a change in behavior. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Learning is a change in behavior. Now, now think about that for a second. So I have so many people to, oh, I love to learn. I love to learn until I tell what them the to learn something yeah. that's going to change yeah. a behavior. And then they don't do what I tell them to do. So you, and I confront them with that. It's like, you don't love learning. 
you love gathering knowledge so you can be right about something or look better than someone. And these are the, the backgrounds of reality that I talk about that are undistinguished by people. These are automatic ways of being that people have learned that, um, and, and absolutely, as you said, when you, when you do what we do and someone says, I want to be unique. So basically when they hire me, that's basically what they're saying. They're saying there's, there's something about me that I want to tap into that I see in you because typically, you know, we're attracted to want to work with someone, especially at the level I'm work at, which is very intimate. You, you just don't, you know, allow yourself to, to work with someone at that level, unless you resonate with them or see right. something about them that you aspire to or in, like, or enjoy. And I think that's true about any enrollment that you do sales. I call sales enrollment. Uh, you want to work with that person. There's something about them that you trust and, and you, you uh, either aspire to or resonate with. And um, if it, but then there's that rub that I call the problem of authenticity. So I'm going to, I'm going to read a technical definition that I have. So the problem of authenticity is whether one's thinking and emotional orientation reflecting the condition of one's sense of self and substantive way of living is coherent with what one is claiming to be authentically committed to. Mm -hmm. So to unpack that is whether one's thinking and emotional orientation reflecting the condition of their sense of self and way of living is coherent. And that is the nexus of what we do in culture change is to and, and developing the authentic self and developing authentic leadership or, um, you know, uh, authentic, true, uh, creative thinking, because authenticity in inherently is actually creative mm. because you're present and you're not coming from a prescribed, um, past. It's, it's authenticity is interesting in that it's, it's referential, self-referential, but it's also creative. So it's paradoxical in that, in that sense, because you're willing, you're, you, you know, what's you, like you, like you said, um, you know, you know what you know. Now the difference is I, I'm not going to scold <laughs> you. What I'm going to kind of open you up to potentially is, are you being positional? Because there's a difference between having yeah. conviction and being positional. It's, it's an interesting question. And I think, um, I think I probably go back and forth. Right. I think, I think, yeah. um, yeah, That's honest. I, I think yeah. there are point there, there, there are times where I am, I don't really care what it is you say. I, I this is my, to your point, this is my position and yeah. I, and I am un, I am not open <laughs> to hearing an alternative. <laughs> <laughs> I am, you know, I, I, look, I, you know, the, it's the intentionality right. behind it. Let me create yeah, a yeah. distinction for you. So, so when, yeah, when you say, I don't care about what you think, um, you know, it depends who you're talking to that ha you have that relationship with. Cause I've said that before too. And people that I'm coaching, it's just like, I'm the coach, you're the coachee. I don't care what you think at this point. Cause you don't have the distinctions. Yeah. 
to offer an opinion on that, you need to be open to learning something new that you don't know that you don't know. So that's a valid, authentic thing for me to say, but the intention behind it isn't to diminish another person. I'm not saying that that's what you're doing. Oh, sometimes it is. But that's, (laughs) okay. So that's not going to get you real far in creative like thought. But that's what people, you know, uh, will will be willing to kind of absorb, and and that's where authenticity is distinct from that kind of rebellious. What you talked about earlier of just saying whatever, regurgitating all over someone, and and being defensive, yeah. and and that is what I try and educate people on, and it takes a long time for people to to understand the experience of that, which is why I call my technology experiential authentic leadership development, because I'm teaching people how to experience the experience of authenticity. Mm -hmm. And that may sound redundant, but it's very important because so often people talk about concepts and don't engage in the actual experience of what they're supposedly talking about. And they're two very, very different things. Well, I think it also underpins the, the, the whole idea that has been woven throughout this podcast, which is being present and, and not being automatic. And so I, I, I agree with you. I think the, the, the word is, is probably the pivotal, the pivotal word in, in sort of the the descriptor of what it is you do, which is the authentic, obviously, but it's experiencing it and not just going through the motions of, yes, Pauline's going to teach us how to be authentic leaders. No, no, no. She's going to open you up to experiencing what that means and, and how you should behave and how that's going to impact your life. And this isn't, this isn't necessarily meant to be the commercial for, for, for Pauline and, and what it is that she does, but it is, it is super important. And like I said before, um, I think as agencies and companies are looking for m- better ways of connecting with their customers, with their employers and their employees, especially if you believe sort of you alluded to it and, and certainly a number of brand strategists within BBN would would subscribe to this. Your best brand ambassadors for your company are your employees. Um, it's not just the it's not the leadership. It's not the CEO. It's not the CFO. It's not the CTO or anybody like that. It, you said it. It's the person who answers the phone, right? It's 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 that's it. Yep. That, that's how they find out. That's how I <laughs> find out if a company really is who they say they are. You can have all the groovy commercials in the world and say you're this and that, but when I call up. At that level, how are they yep. treated? And it's going to come across by how they treat yep. others. And consistently, not just one person, but, you know, if you can go through three or four different to, to get a little data set there, data set. And um, that's just, that's the, the litmus test. It is. It, it, it 100% is in, in more ways than one. And so... This is really fascinating. I don't think we, Pauline, I don't think we got near the, the ground that we covered or we we wanted to cover, <clears throat> but that's okay um, because uh, Pauline has agreed. I don't know why all of a sudden I've got a frog in my throat. 
hang on just a second. <laughs> Pauline's agreed to come on and, and do a, a part two uh, in the future, because like I said, there is a lot of things that, that, that she talks about that I think are absolutely related to um, both the agencies who, who, and the people who work at agencies who listen to this podcast and the clients who, who they are serving. And I think it's really important to explore these things because I think this is what makes, um, a creative agency or a true brand agency or a true marketing agency different, right? You look at these, you look at everything from the behavior to the creative, to, the words to, to everything when you're, when you're working with a company. And I think that's why having, uh, Dr. Cerise come in and talk about her point of view and, and her technology. And we're, we are going to get, I do want to cover that. So it's a really important point, I think, because, because I mentioned it before we even came on the air. A lot of people would talk about, uh, you know, experiential authentic leadership as a program or a concept or something along those lines. You talk about it as a technology. Can you give us why that distinction is really important? Uh, yes, it, it is a systematic way of engaging on a journey to become more authentic. And it's based on, um, 30 to 35 years of research and uh, data collection and curation, as well as a PhD in what is the lived experience of leading myself and others, given that I'm committed to being authentic. And so the way that I've designed it is a very specifically design scientific approach. It's a triangulated approach of what's called phenomenology, statistical analysis, and ethnography. And of course, there's many dimensions and layers to my technology, but that's kind of a, you know, a ground, um, ground level, uh, and then forwarded by breakthrough projects. So there's the psychological, there's the philosophical, and then there's the practical application of causing breakthroughs in performance. And, you know, because of that and because it's about the experience, um, because I, I, I've asked my, my clients as well, like, how would you differentiate why this is so different than anything else you have done? And it is because of the design of the experience of the journey and the way that I've triangulated um, the research models of um, phenomenological data, which is determining the experience of an organization's culture and individuals through their group narratives, and mm -hmm. then um, capturing those. And then statistical analysis, which is, um, I used uh, a, an assessment that's just extraordinary that captures probably five years worth of analysis and 20 minutes. It is so fantastic. So I use that as a base of empirical statistical data. And then ethnography is when I'm apprehending qualitative data through the embedded observational measures of working directly with people, both both one-on-one, -on -one, but also in a group over time. Mm. And so that's, you know, a little bit of a 10,000 foot view of why I call it a technology, because it, it is a very systematic process. And um, I, that's what I wanted to crack the code on. How can we systematically distinguish how to 
recreate the opportunity for affordances of authenticity and leadership. And the original Greek language uh, translation of technology is technologia, which is a systematic treatment of an art, craft, or technique. Mm -hmm. And that I've created a language. It's a systematic treatment of a language. And it is an art because even though I have the science of it, every person is unique and different and every group when they get together are unique and different collectively, which is why my initial degree is in um, industrial and organizational psychology, because it's uh, doing research on the individual and doing research on the collective group uh, or groups is, will give you different data. And so that's fascinating in and of itself and very important as it relates to culture change and culture development. It is. And Unfortunately, we're going to have to park it right there, but we are going to pick this up in part two, which will be forthcoming. Um, this is an amazing conversation, uh, Pauline. I really appreciate you coming I on. I love it. I love talking well, to you, Ed. It's just well, fantastic. You're just, <laughs> I love you it, so well, much. Thank you. Um, and I, I appreciate, even, even though, and we talked about this when we sort of did the pre-interview, even though our, our universes, you know, are spinning in their own frequency and, and it's, it's, you know, few and far between that they actually intersect when they do. It's, it, it's been fantastic. And, and, and I've always come away very much, uh, uh, the better for it. Um, and I'm super Thank excited you. that, that, that we've reconnected after a, a, a moment of, of silence. Um, and, and, and we're exploring this and you've come on our podcast and, and, um, I think it's going to be great. We're going to bring you on one or two times, uh, moving forward. And, and I think the the listeners of this show will get a lot out of it, both from, uh, a personal standpoint, as well as how they interact with their clients or how they interact with their agency. If you're on the client side, so keep listening, keep listening for, for, for Dr. Cerise. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about her technology, uh, you can find it at www.ealdliving.com. Uh, she'd be happy to take any inquiries uh, from any of our listeners. Again, that's www.ealdliving.com. Uh, take a look at her website. Take a look at what she is uh, working with people on and you'll be impressed. And um, like I said, open yourself up to the possibility and it, it absolutely will change the way that you look at things, the way that you do things and the way that you think about things. So thanks for coming on and thanks for listening. You're welcome. Uh, all, the, all you out there and uh, we'll talk to you next time. BBN Mixtape is a production of BBN. Subscribe from your favorite podcatcher for episode transcripts, links and more. If you like this show, give us a nice five-star rating. It's how you can help more marketers find us. Thank you, and we will talk in the next episode.